Breakups and divorce can be extremely painful, lonely, and confusing. But I believe your breakup can be your biggest breakthrough. I'm Lindsay Ellison, author, coach, speaker, and single mom of two awesome young men. Welcome to a podcast about finding joy and inner peace after a breakup. You may not be able to see what's on the other side yet, but I promise if you do the healing work, your life will transform in ways you never thought possible. Welcome to Unbreakable You. I'm going to give you a relationship scenario and want you to see if you see yourself in this dynamic, or perhaps this was you in a former relationship, or maybe you know of someone who is, and if you do, please share this episode with them. But to try to keep this gender neutral, because it's always a little confusing, I'm going to sometimes use they or them when it comes to the romantic partner in this scenario. So you meet this person for the first time, whether on a dating app or at a party. How you met them doesn't matter. You have instant chemistry with this person. You find them attractive, but more importantly, you just click. By the end of the date, you are nearly completing each other's sentences. You feel like you've known them for a long time, yet it's only been a few hours or days. It's hard to tell because when you're together, you lose all track of time. The first kiss is amazing. The passion between you is head spinning. You can hardly focus at work. You replay every moment, spoken word or loving touch in your last date, and you can't wait to see them again. You think you have found your soulmate and this person thinks the same. You talk about your future or make plans for something months ahead, even though you've been together for just a few days or weeks. Maybe you think things are going way too fast, or maybe your friends tell you to slow down. But when you're together, it is hard to slow down the excitement and feelings for each other. You begin to cancel other plans, plans you had for yourself, like going to the gym or catching up on that book, or plans with your friends because nothing else feels as good as when you're with this person. And they are also doing the same. And together, you both feel like a super couple who can do anything together. But suddenly, this person begins to pull back. They aren't texting you as frequently. They used to be so detailed in their texts, but now things are vague or cryptic and you rack your brain as to what the hell is going on. And so you replay your last time together and you tell your friends every detail so they they can help you decode this mystery. One of them tells you that you're overthinking things, and the other friend tells you to block this person. But all you can do is further obsess about them. You reach for your phone and text them only to delete it because you fear that you're going to sound clingy or crazy. So no, you're going to block them instead because this is how you take back control. And just as you're about to hit the block button, they text you, hey, Sorry, I've been so aloof. Work has gotten crazy. What are you doing tonight? I would love to see you. Now, you had plans tonight with your best friend, but this is more important, and she would understand, after all, because you've been texting her every day about what is going on. Plus, you need to get to the bottom of this so that you can be at peace. Now, on your date, you're looking for cues and body language to determine if something's up. Your hypervigilance makes you edgy and insecure, so you mask it and pretend nothing is wrong. You casually ask about their distant behavior and they assure you nothing is wrong. Deep down, you break the contract with yourself by shaming yourself for questioning them in the first place. Later that night, 
you have the most passionate lovemaking you've ever had with each other, and the both of you are up until 4 a.m. despite you having a work meeting in a few hours. You're bleary-eyed and feel hungover, even though you hardly had anything to drink the night before. But the truth is, you are hungover because you are in drunk love with a person who isn't good for you. And now that you're hungover, wow, yeah, you promise yourself you'll have better boundaries next time. So next time, which is just a few days later, you see their distance once again and you call them on it. You might send them an angry text and try to get their attention. And while you wait for their response, you check your phone every five minutes. You read your text over and over again, wondering if you shouldn't have sent it. You feel sick, maybe used, and completely baffled as to what might be going on. You tell everyone you're done, but two days later when your text is finally returned, they beg and plead to see you again so that they can explain. Now, you have the upper hand, so you choose to ignore the text. Now you're going to receive flowers or calls and apologies. Finally, the guilt consumes you and you give in. And when you get back together, equanimity feels restored, but it's only a matter of time until the cycle starts again. As days, weeks, and maybe months go by, you try to end the relationship, but you can't. It feels horrible when you're not together, but it's a different kind of horrible when you are. You feel alone and confused, and ironically, this person is now the only person that makes you feel somewhat normal, so you stay in it. So, did I just describe you or an old relationship of yours? Because I certainly described myself that was a version of me a long time ago. Actually, it wasn't even that long ago. Your details may be different than what I portrayed here, but in the end, you've been caught up in a love addict, love avoidant relationship. And that is what I call drunk love. A love addict gets high from the intensity and chemistry the early relationship brings. And like an alcoholic, they struggle with moderation and can't just have one sip. And in this case, just one date or a short date or several short dates for fear of neglect or abandonment from their partner. And a love addict typically has history of abandonment in their childhood and they desperately want to be loved. And when they are, the love feels like water over a dried sponge. And to lose that love means you might die without your partner, or rather it feels like death, because without them, you are sad, depressed, anxious, and you can't function on your own. So in order to hold on to that love, you withhold deeper intimacy from your partner for fear of being abandoned. You give up your boundaries, ignore red flags, and when conflict arises with your partner, you are easily swayed back into the relationship should you try to leave. And when I say you withhold deeper intimacy, I don't mean sexual intimacy. I mean safe vulnerability and sharing with your partner what you require in the relationship because of the emotional wounds that you carry from your past. A love addict always falls in love with a love avoidant because your greatest fear is abandonment with an underlying fear of intimacy. It makes it a perfect match for a love avoidant because a love avoidance greatest fear is intimacy with an underlying fear of abandonment. So love avoidance also love the intensity and chemistry in the early relationship. They are often the love bombers and get high off of making you feel so good with their doting attention. But they struggle with deep intimacy because of their emotional wounds. 
Love avoidance typically have a history of enmeshment or sexual abuse in their childhood. So getting emotionally intimate with someone feels like a burden or they feel smothered because when they were children, someone got too close to them, whether it was a parent that made them their pseudo spouse or worse, a sexual abuser who robbed them from their innocence. So when the love addict begins to get too close to the love avoidant, the avoidant will shut down, create distance, and find intensity outside the relationship via another lover or become engrossed in work or other people or their friends or just even TV and things. And because the love addict is so fearful of abandonment, they will do anything to keep the relationship going, which feels suffocating or smothering to the love avoidant. But because the avoidance underlying fear is abandonment, Just as their love-addicted partner begins to catch on and tries to leave the relationship, he or she will seek intensity outside the relationship via another lover, alcohol, work, or another addiction. And the avoidant will do anything now to get their love addict back. And here's where it gets really messed up. The love addict in the relationship now becomes the love avoidant. And the love avoidant now becomes the love addict. They switch roles. So the original love avoidant becomes obsessed to win their partner back and will do anything in their power to make that happen because they are also terrified of abandonment. And for the original love addict, their partner chasing them and trying to get them back becomes immensely addicting because this is where only through that chase do they finally get what they want from their love avoidant. And that's intense love and promises of safety because they didn't have that in their childhood. But of course, if you've been in this situation, you know that this never lasts long. A love addict is often turned off by boring partners or normal relationships because they thrive on intensity. But the sad irony is, is that the love addict is looking for normalcy from a partner who is repelled by normalcy because normalcy brings intimacy. And that is too much of a burden for the avoidant to bear. A love avoidant is often turned off by partners with too much emotional baggage. So they will love bomb their partner to make them feel good. So they don't have to hear about their baggage. But when that doesn't work, the avoidant picks up on their partner's needs and wants and will push their partner away, leaving the love addict having to face significant withdrawal. And this is where the love addict begins to act crazy. And they will often make huge threats such as divorce or cheating on them or wanting to cheat on them or breaking up or worse, threatening suicide. And this triggers the love avoidant to return to the relationship out of guilt or fears of their own future abandonment. So if you see yourself as either the love addict, love avoidant, or both, I want you to reach out to me because This just does not get better unless you uncover where you learned this as a child and really being able to heal your past. So when I went to the Meadows, we talked about love avoidant and love addiction a lot. I did a lot of uh, workshops on that. And we had this thing, I don't know if it's outside the Meadows, but we had this thing, we called it Lala. So love avoidant, love addict, L-A-L-A, and together it creates Lala. It makes it 
crazy. It makes you, you're crazy. It makes you crazy. You feel crazy. And if you've been in a love addict relationship or you see yourself as a love addict, you may have seriously questioned whether there's something wrong with you or that you have um, bipolar disorder. Because that's what I thought because of the huge ups and downs, these huge swings in the relationship. And unfortunately, it's very hard to repair a relationship with a love avoidant. If you're the love addict, it's very hard to repair that relationship with a love avoidant unless both of you get help and work on your own past traumas. So I see this a lot where the love addict will actually start to get healthy and become sober. That's what we call emotional sobriety. And when the love addict starts to be around the love avoidant, the love avoidant is still behaving the same way, which is constantly triggering the love addict like a bottle of alcohol to a newly sober alcoholic. And so it's very kind of tenuous and tricky to be around the love avoidant in this relationship. So if you're like still married to this person, it's very hard to be sober and be good and and feel sober in the relationship when the love avoidant is not working on their stuff. And so you can abstain from addictive substances, obviously, but unfortunately, you just can't abstain from love. It is a basic human need. And you really deserve it to be healthy and not addictive or avoidant. And healthy love comes from emotional sobriety. And you can only get there if you learn how to self-esteem and not rely on other esteem. And so I'm going to talk about this and what I mean in a second. So I'm going to read you just this list that I have of the difference between healthy love and addictive love. And I want you to see how much from either one of those, okay, healthy love versus addictive love, do you have in your life or have you had in your past or are you seeing this pattern show up in relationship after relationship? And if you are really checking off some of the more addictive aspects of love, I really, really want to encourage you to set up a call with me. So in the show notes, I am putting a link in there as this month, I'm taking on new clients who are interested in solving this issue. Uh, Because I like to say I am a recovering love addict, as well as a recovering love avoidant. And the only way I got there and the only way I was able to finally discover, discover healthy, healthy love is by doing this work that I want you all to do and learn so that life can be super, super awesome. So here's this list that I've created. So healthy love develops after we feel secure. Addictive love tries to create love even though we feel frightened and insecure. Healthy love comes from feeling full. We overflow with love. We have love everywhere. Where addictive love is always trying to fill an inner void. Healthy love begins with loving ourselves, being the lover we feel we need, where addictive love keeps us from looking at ourselves honestly and always seeks to get love from that, quote, special someone. Healthy love comes to us once we've given up the search. Addictive love is always sought after. Healthy love is part of the human fabric and it can't be separated, where addictive love is highly distilled and we think we can separate it from people with the it being sex or romantic intrigue. Healthy love allows us to be vulnerable because we feel secure inside. Addictive love is based on a shaky foundation. We feel we must always need to protect ourselves. 
Healthy love grows slowly like a tree, where addictive love grows fast as if by magic, like those little children's animals that expand instantly when we add water. Healthy love thrives on time alone as well as time with our partner. Addictive love is being frightened of being alone. Healthy love is derived from a balance of masculine and feminine qualities within each person. Addictive love creates super masculine and super feminine qualities and encourages us to search for our missing half in another person. Healthy love encourages us to feel we have the power to create our own world and be happy. Addictive love sees others as having power over us. We seek the perfect partner because the power that person seems to bring to us. Healthy love is unique. There is no ideal lover I seek, right? But addictive love is stereotyped. There's always a certain type we are attracted to. Healthy love is gentle and comfortable. Addictive love is tense and combative. Healthy love encourages to be ourselves, to be honest from the beginning with who we are, including our faults, including our wounds, our scars that we carry into the relationship, where addictive love encourages secrets. We always want to look good and put on that attractive mask. Healthy love creates a deeper sense of ourselves the longer we are together. Addictive love creates a loss of self the longer we are together. Healthy love gets easier as time goes on. Addictive love requires more effort as time goes on, and it's hard to sustain a romantic intrigue. Healthy love develops more as fear decreases. Addictive love expands as fear increases. Healthy love is satisfied with the partner we have. Addictive love is always looking for more or for better within the partner we have or outside the relationship. Healthy love encourages us to broaden our interests, where addictive love encourages us to narrow our interests. Healthy love is based on the belief that we want to be together. Addictive love is based on the belief that we have to be together. Healthy love teaches us that we can only make ourselves happy. Addictive love expects the other person to make us happy and demands that we try to make them happy. Healthy love creates life and addictive love creates melodramas. So if you see yourself more in the addictive love category, reach out to me, find out a way to get help around this because it is not worth being in an unhealthy relationship. And if you have not figured out or solved this problem, and let's say you've been single for a while, I really discourage you from getting out into the dating world until you understand why you keep falling into these unhealthy patterns. And for me, if you've known my story enough, and if you haven't, go back in time to some of the older episodes on this podcast. But for me, I've shared this as that almost every single one of my relationships I've ever had from starting from 15 years old was an addictive love situation. And one thing I wanted to mention is a lot of people ask me, are love avoidance the narcissist and the love addict the codependence? And the answer is no. Oftentimes it can be the case, but a codependent can be a love avoidant and a codependent is obviously can be a love addict. But You can have love avoidance from a narcissist, but you do not have to be a narcissist to be love avoidant and vice versa. So I wanted to answer that question because I know that's going to come up. All right. Well, that's this episode. I hope to hear from you. And if you like this episode, as always, please leave a review as it really, really helps uh, having other people like you find me and get the help they need. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening. If you haven't already, make sure you sign up for your free subscription to Blessings of a Breakup, where you will receive daily spiritual guidance on getting out of your pain and back to who you really are. Go to my website at lindsayellison.com.